I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Being without them for this long, this is the longest I've ever gone. I just realize how much food and laundry those kids go through. (laughs) Holy shit. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I am Heather B. Armstrong. And I'm John R. Bray. So, how are you? How's love life going? (laughs) You know, it's hanging in there. We got a pretty good response to that episode. People are very happy for you. Yes, they are. And I really appreciate that. No, it's it's been good. We're taking it a day at a time and letting it be what it is. And it's been been great. Good. That's really, really good to hear. I think people are going to be happy to hear that. Yes, me too. And speaking of love life, I think it leads into kind of something that I wanted to talk about, compartmentalization. Compartmentalization. Compartmentalization, the ability to compartmentalize. Okay. Elaborate. I think some people see compartmentalization as a as a bad character trait. So, like when you think when you think about somebody who who can compartmentalize, it's like you think of a, a high school quarterback who's sleeping with six different women. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, like he can like shut off his feelings and then go sleep with somebody else and shut off his feelings and go sleep with somebody else. And the reason that I, that I wanted to talk about it is my friend Cammy spent some time with Marlo in New York and I talked to her about it and she said it was so weird because she, she asked Marlo about, you know, how's it, how is it, how is it here? I mean, how do, how do you like New York? Tell me about New York. And Marlo wouldn't talk to her about New York or about the day camp that she's going to. At all. Just like New York did not exist. New York did not exist. She wanted to be with Cammy and just do Cammy and just have it be a Cammy experience. Interesting. And Cammy tried several times to get her to talk about things and she refused. She just was like, nope, this is, this is Cammy time. And I was like, yeah, my kid can compartmentalize like high school quarterback who's sleeping with six different girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and do you think because Marlo knows that Cammy is your friend and she's currently in New York with John? Yeah. Do you think that she just she associates Cammy with you and then therefore in her mind there's not that crossover between dad and mom's world? Yeah, it could be that. It could be it could also be I think and I am actually a very good compartmentalizer as well. And I'll get to that in a second. But I think what she, like trauma has made it a skill in, in me because when you go through certain traumas in life, you learn to sort of deal with the pain or you put the pain away so that you can survive. It's like a survival mechanism. Okay. And so camp and New York are, are here and there is no crossover to there to like being here. So I okay. think that you're right. Like Cammy is a Cammy is a mom experience. Right. Yeah. And now Cammy lives there, right? Yes, Cammy lives okay. in Bushwick. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That is that's <laughs> really strange though. Yeah, she wouldn't talk to Cammy about John. She wouldn't 
she didn't say anything about her day camp that she's been going to the entire time she's been there. But like when you and, and maybe you understand this because of the, the marathon, you get to a point in trauma and pain where you have to stop thinking about the pain or put it someplace else so that you can put one step and one foot in front of the other. Yes. That to me is compartmentalizing in my brain. Like, okay, when it, the pain of this is so intense and it, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. So I have to put it over here somewhere in my brain so that I can continue living. I guess I hadn't labeled that as compartmentalizing, but that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it applies to everything. I mean, even what I went through in 2015, what you went through with the, with the divorce, like, yeah, if you focus on it, it becomes crippling. So you have to kind of rope that off in one corner and detach it from everything else or everything else becomes traumatic. Right. And you either deal with it later in therapy or it can, it can come back and haunt your everyday life if you don't deal with it. But in the moment, there are, like, there are moments where you're just like, okay, this is so painful that I have to curl this pain up into a ball and shove it someplace so that I can continue doing what I need to do. Marlo's birth without medication, the, the ability to take the pain that I was going through and shrink it into something that I was able to then endure so that I can make it to, you know, the next level of labor. And I realized that I'm, so I'm able to do this in moments of extraordinary pain. And over the last few months, I realized that I can start doing this. I can start using this skill when it comes to anxiety in that it's very, it's been very hard for me to live in the moment it takes a lot of concentration or it has taken a lot of concentration because I'm always thinking about things that need to get done, things I should be doing, things that are never going to get done, like that my anxiety sort of focuses on all that. It's the what ifs. Yeah. I realized, well, wait a minute, if, if I, I can just compartmentalize all these worries and like shove it over here so that I can be in this incredible Balkan country for a week and just enjoy myself. And I realized, okay, so let's, why not use this skill for your anxiety, Heather? And it's worked. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to be in the moment because I can shove the, what do I got to do this? I got to do this. I got to do this. And I can just sort of shove it away. I recommend it. <laughs> yeah. You should teach me how to do that. But I feel like it applies to even more than, I guess for me looking at anxiety. I mean, there is the, that idea that if you're if you're just enjoying yourself, if you're living in the moment, there's these 55 other things that you're not doing. And not only are you not doing them, but then you have to consider if you're not doing them, what other things are not going to happen. And, you know, then it starts to snowball. But I think it's also, for me, it's like a bigger picture, a bigger picture worry, I guess. And that's why I said like the what if, like I'm always anticipating the worst. And that's why it's really difficult for me to live in the moment. <laughs> Did, like, did you did you see one of the Facebook comments? Someone was just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so happy for that eternal pessimist." I did, <laughs> I did, yeah. And that's and it even it's like, and I guess that is a a piece of pessimism, but I look at it a little bit different. It's just even if I guess even if I'm not anticipating the worst, even if like it's like the logic versus emotion. Like logically, I know that you know A is not going to happen. But emotionally, I'm terrified that it could. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And is it? Are you overcome with the, the terror? Uh, it depends on the situation. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it's like all I can focus on. 
which then obviously ruins the moment, ruins everything because that becomes the focal point for me. And I've been, this has been the case, I mean, for years and years and years. I don't know. It makes it hard to take a risk because there's always that component. So is it anxiety? I mean, does it manifest as anxiety? It does. Yeah. So obviously I know that compartmentalizing isn't the solution because like you said, eventually you have to be able to, to wrangle that. And if you just compartmentalize forever, it becomes a, a bear that I think eventually you can't really ignore anymore. Yeah. So that's, you know, only part of the solution, but I think when you can compartmentalize things like that and separate them, and then, you know, the more you start to live in the moment and the less you start to focus on what you have to do or those worries, the less important those things become naturally. It takes practice. Yes. Right. I will say this because I was traveling so much and what I would do is I would go and I would really enjoy myself where I was and not think about everything that needed to get done back here or even while I was there. And so then I would come home and the moment I would walk in the door, the anxiety would hit me like a brick to the head. Like it was <laughs> like when I, before I was able to sort of enjoy myself while I was gone, well, I, you know, I, normally I'd be super anxious while I was gone because I knew all the stuff that was going to be home. And, and then I would come home and, and the anxiety wouldn't hit me because I was already feeling the anxiety. So being able to be in the moment has made those moments of anxiety a, way, way, way more intense because I'm suddenly feeling it. (laughs) So you, I mean, your compartmentalization then was kind of both mental and actual physical, Mm -hmm. like not being home. That, that was the compartment where all of the to do's were and you're gone. And that's the compartment where living in the moment is exactly interesting. I mean, I can see that being super beneficial in some ways, but obviously you're home more, more often than not. Mm -hmm. So that kind of sucks. (laughs) It kind of sucks. Like I went to a a concert on Sunday night, an outdoor concert. It was, it's a lovely, lovely venue. And I always have a really good time. Was this the head and the heart? Yes. The head and the heart. I was thinking about all of the things like before the concert, I was thinking like, oh God, it's Sunday night. And there's so much I have to get done before my kids get here. And then after the kids get here, there's the preparation for school. And like, I knew what lay ahead of me in the week you know, the things that have to get done. And I consciously said, I'm not going to worry about that for the next six or seven hours. I am just going to go enjoy the fuck out of myself. And I did. I did. I had had the most fabulous time. And then I woke up on Monday morning, just gripped, gripped with anxiety. (laughs) But I really enjoyed myself on Sunday. Really, really, really enjoyed myself, which I can say like last year, you know, I wasn't able to. Because the anxiety was just a constant, 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 constant. I wasn't able to push it aside. Right. I remember that. Yeah, I I do. But it's hard, though, because, I mean, like I said, you're always home. So, I mean, it seems like eventually over time, then home is going to have this automatic negative connotation as the place where I feel gripped by anxiety. But when I'm gone, I'm okay. And see, I I need to work on that. That's something that I need to consciously i need to consciously be here and figure out a way to make it so that i don't associate you know terror and anxiety with because this is my home um but but like i think we said we talked about this in the last episode you know i came home from paris and the reality of the of the responsibility just hit me just boom like oh my god there's so much that we juggle just 
just in the house alone. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. And somehow I've got to center myself so that all those things that I, I mean, just just looking around the room, the things that need to be organized and put away. And I'm, I'm sure that there are meditative books and, you know, practices that would will help with this. But I, that's definitely something that I have to work on. I mean, that's why they call things like meditation a practice. Yeah. Because it is like a constant refocusing of your brain. And it's so damn hard because part of the reason there's all this anxiety is because we're busy. And then we have to spend time consciously thinking about how to not think about like it's I don't know I, I think I mentioned this in an episode a long time ago but a friend of mine who's who is fully on board with with meditation and has like been telling me over and over and over and over again that I need to embrace it there's like a quote in that world that if you don't have time to meditate 30 minutes a day then you need to do it for an hour right which I I totally get it's not that I've ever had anything against it it's just that that piece like there's only so many minutes in a day and what do i need to trade out to do that and will it add so much anxiety or worry that it cancels out what i'm doing which probably not but as i look at it right now sitting here that's how it seems i'm really nervous about i'm not nervous what is the word yeah so lead us there starts eighth grade lexton starts seventh no, he starts eighth. Eighth. Okay, so we've got eighth grade going on, and then we've got third grade going on, and I'm just thinking about next week, because they start on Monday, and um, has Lexton started? He has not. He starts in a, He starts next week also. Okay. Like, it's going to, the train's coming. The train is going to hit. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so how, like, I, I need to implement some things in that daily ritual to um, mitigate just how intense it is because it's so intense. I mean, I realized that having a break from it, I realized just how intense our daily life is with school and piano and therapy and all of, the, all of it. And what, what can I do to mitigate the intensity? I'm trying to actively thinking about ways in which like I've actually decided that I'm going to wake up an extra 30 minutes early. You are, you have inspired me to do this. <laughs> That's a big one for you. It is. If I could get a jump start before my kids get up and wake up and not be groggy and go get some email done, I think that that would take so much pressure off of the, and so much, so much of the intensity away from especially the mornings. There is definitely something to be said for that morning calm, especially because you're up before the kids and you're up before most people are working. So you're able, I mean, sometimes during the day, I feel like I'm receiving emails faster than I can send them. Yes. So it just, I'm spinning my wheels and that alone, even if I'm actually accomplishing things, makes me feel like I'm not. Yes. But being able to get up and send emails and then do the morning routine and all of that and then sit back down and I've gotten responses. I still have more emails, but I feel like I'm, I'm already a step ahead. And how early do you get up during the school year? 5.30 typically. 5.30. Do you, do you, and you just wake up with one alarm, right? It goes off and you're up? Yes, that's, that's how it's been. I wasn't always that way, but that's how it's been, I don't know, for a while, for the last couple of years. You don't hit snooze at all? No. God damn, I got to figure that out. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a total shift. It's not only like this idea that you need to get up and get stuff done, but it's a total, it's a total shift on your day. And it obviously, I mean, when I wake up at 530, 
you know, I might go to bed earlier than you do if you wake mm-hmm. up at seven, but I'm getting hours in the morning. So you're, you're just ch- trading slots is really what it is. But I feel right. like I would rather have that time in the morning when I'm totally refreshed than have that time at night when I'm dead. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But so has, has it always been where you just wake up with, with, you don't, you don't ever hit snooze or did you have to practice that? Oh, I had to practice that. That took a while. Although it's interesting because it, it, the big transition for me was I would snooze when I actually worked at a full-time job outside of the home for a company. I would snooze the shit out of that alarm. But when I left to freelance full-time and really started to enjoy what I was doing, that was when things started to turn because I didn't dread getting up. I mean, a, a part of what I dreaded was the work that I was doing. And when I started to enjoy it, then it was, oh, I can get up and get a jump start on what I like. And that was huge. Or, you know, if I get up and I decide to run, I want, I want to run. So it was having something in the morning that was worth getting up for, I guess. Yeah. Because I, 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 I did notice when I was in Paris that I would actually usually wake up before I had set my alarm. And yes not have the desire to linger in bed. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty great. Which was both, um, which, which was good, but, but also frustrating because I was like, wait a minute, I'm in Paris. I should, I should, you know, I can, I can sleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except that I didn't want to. Right. You had something better to do. Yeah. I think though, there's also like, that's a piece of it, but I think to really, and I'm not as good at this. I, I've had my moments, but that's a great way to start the day. But then I think if you still then you wake up and you do emails or you exercise or whatever, and then the rest of the day is at that breakneck pace until you fall asleep, it's kind of defeated the purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I think you need something midday where you also are able to take a breath and step back. And it's way easier said than done. And whether that's just you know getting out outside and walking for 20 minutes or going out and grabbing a coffee or whatever, I feel like that midday pause is incredibly beneficial. And every time I've managed to do it, it's totally turned my day around. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, it's it's hard to find that because you, you, know, you set aside the time and then someone wants to have a call or you're not quite finished with a project. Like, there's always something. But if you can get diligent about it or block it off on your calendar or whatever, it's it's huge. It's right. it's a total reset halfway through the day that kind of prevents you from hitting the end of the day and hitting a wall. Yes. I know all of this logically, but it does not always happen. <laughs> I think we may have said I I know the um uh the IT the director of technology for Slack who who's executive assistant slots an hour for him every day where he can he doesn't take meetings or do email or have any phone calls like every day and it's usually the hour is never really set like it's not it's not always at noon or always at one because some people have to take calls at different times but he's like every single day in my schedule you will give me an hour where i have no interruptions and he gets that every day and what does he do he writes and he he uses that time to calm himself and uh, regroup. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that and, is huge. I think. I mean, how amazing would it be to have that in an hour where no one is calling you, no one is texting you, you don't have to look at email, you don't have to like that would be amazing to know that you would get that every day. 
Right. I mean, because great. I go to the. I don't. I mean, I don't think that you take a lunch break either, do you? No, usually. I mean, it depends. This summer, I've been a little more lax about it because Lexton is home, mm-hmm. and that way I'll sit and eat with him. But typically, you know, during the during the school year, so starting next week, I just eat while I work. Right. So I I switch out a, a lunch break with exercising. Okay. So I either go run stairs or I go work out at the gym, and without fail. <laughs> When I when, when my workout is over, I go I go to my phone and there are seventy notifications at least at least yeah. seventy notifications, and and it's not coming from Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, it's email and text email 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 email. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like you have to take let's say you take an hour and it's like forty five minutes is to calm yourself and then the next fifteen minutes is to like prepare yourself to reenter. <laughs> yes. And it's hard. I mean, in, in his case, he works a very traditional job. It sounds like in an office, like that's a traditional schedule. Yeah. For me, and, and it might be similar for you in some ways, it's a lot more flexible. And I think that's good and bad. I think I've learned that the way that I work is to take frequent short breaks. And I mean, like five minutes. I'll work for an hour and a half and take five minutes to whatever, look at something online, whatever the case may be. And I just know that every time I've tried to work, you know, six or eight hours straight, productivity drops substantially. So I need those little breaks. But at -hmm. the same time, I don't think that those breaks, although they kind of refresh the productivity or the creativity, they're not enough. They're not long enough to kind of bring me back to zero and feel refreshed in that sense. Yeah. But I don't know, I can't obviously build in 20 little breaks and an hour because then that's now two hours out of the day, which is really challenging when my work days are kind of confined to six hours when Lexton is in school, unless I work in the evenings. Right. And that's, that's a challenge. I mean, I can't work four hours a day. That just, it doesn't work. I, be, I was trying to explain to somebody like just what it means to... to I mean, especially what it means for us working from home and having our kids full time, like what that means in terms of being able to get things done, the the frustration that comes from being constantly interrupted or having the school calling because Marlo's sick or the school calling because something happened or, you know, the, the, the constant interruption of our lives is frustrating and there's got to be some sort of meditative practice to wrangle that frustration. But I was explaining to this person, like, you know, I, we, we get it done. We always get it done. We, and we do it really well. But there are moments of just utter and absolute frustration with like, I just want, you know, an uninterrupted 20 minutes, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is that interruption. And it's hard to explain the impact that that interruption has. Yeah. Because I don't, it just, it knocks everything off. It's kind of like being a top spinning on the floor and then getting flicked. Like it might keep spinning, but it's going to wobble. It's now slowed down. It's not, I mean, it, that's the best analogy I can come up with. I mean, and I've got to be a little stricter with my kids. I think that they're, I'm probably going to still have a babysitter who picks them up from school. And she she sometimes tries to take them to the library until at least four four thirty five, but my kids are like they'll get bored or they they want to come home they want to come home, and so she gives in and she brings the kids home and it's you know four o'clock 
And so that's, and so immediately, if even if I close my office door, I hear everything going on outside of my office and yeah. it's that little hum. So then, then I'm confined to dropping my kids off at school and then I have until four o'clock and then, and then it's just, yeah. And you know, Lita walks in the door and her, the first thing that she does is she hugs me, which is amazing. It's awesome. But then I, then that's the next 30 minutes are getting them settled and talking to them and asking them about their day. And then it's just like, or, or what I do is I'm really rude and I'm like, Hey guys, I love you, but I've got to go get this stuff done. And then I shut the door. Right. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> right. <laughs> I and it is, and you feel rude, but it's the, it's the best option. Mm hmm. Because otherwise you spend a half an hour of time well spent. That's not the issue. But you spend a half an hour and then when you go back in your office and close the door, it's not like you're picking up where you left off. There's like 15 yeah. minutes where you have to kind of recenter yourself and get back in that mindset and get back to that place. And that's a challenge. Yeah. I feel like we need like compartments for compartments. <laughs> like you need to be able to compartmentalize all these things and then have compartments within that larger compartment. So uh -huh. that you can keep everything straight, which yeah. then I feel like the act of compartmentalizing is going to just create anxiety. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Being without them for this long, this is the longest I've ever gone. I just realize how much food and laundry those kids go through. <laughs> Holy shit. Like I do laundry for myself maybe once a week and okay. I, and I maybe go to Trader Joe's once a week for my food. And when they're here, I'm doing laundry every other day and going grocery shopping basically two or three times a week just to keep up with what they go through. Yeah. And it's worse in the school year, I think, because there's not as much meal flexibility. Yeah. Because you need the certain, I mean, at least, at least with Lexton, like he eats relatively the same thing for lunch. So if I run out of those items, if I didn't plan it well, like there's always these back to the store runs for odds and ends. And that's, that's hard. It's hard. Here we are complaining again about our routines, our daily lives. Right. <laughs> right. Because we're anticipating school and we're not dumb enough to think it's going to be easy. Like we thought last we year. We are not dumb enough to think about that. Oh my God. <laughs> I will say. I've done school supply shopping. You have. I did. And that is always an infuriating process because everyone has their different things and this person needs a two-pocket folder with, you know, the three rings in the center or the clasps or whatever and someone else needs one without them and there's this color and it just, it's not hard, but it's the, 
it's just always hard to kind of juggle and make sure as you're crossing this off and looking at it and all of these different things. And then there's always the, the kind of abstract items, like instead of needing note cards, they need spiral bound note cards. Yes. I have probably seen those at the store every time I've been to the store, except when I'm shopping for school supplies. <laughs> then they are nowhere. Like they're not in the school supply area. They're not in the office area. Like they're, they're absolutely nowhere. And I always end up at a place like Target for school supplies rather than, you know, an office supply store, which is now where I'm going to have to go. I was proud because usually it's stressful and I'm running around the store and I kind of, I would get to those items and look for them like, well, they're not here. It is what it is. You don't have them on the first day. We'll figure it out, but we'll probably get them, you know, because I can't change it. And I guess that's my own way of kind of in the moment compartmentalizing where I can freak out about it and try and run around town or just say, well, next time I'm out, I'll pick them up. But I, I don't know. It's such, it always feels like school supply shopping feels like that scene in Father of the Bride where he gets arrested for taking the superfluous buns out of the hot dog bun package because nothing you need to buy is exactly right. It's like they need two of something and you can buy 10. Exactly. It's insane. I haven't, they didn't give a list of supplies for Lita. I think they do that. I mean, I'm not exactly sure when they do that, but they did have a list of supplies for Marlo and taped or stapled to the top of it is this thing that says, um, due to such and such administrative rule, we have to tell you that getting these supplies is an optional, uh, is optional because we, we will provide them to your child if you won't. Like, so the school's going to buy supplies for kids if you don't. And yeah, and I looked at the list and the list is just the most random shit. It's just so random. And I'm like, I'm going to have to go to six different stores to get all this stuff. What the hell? Yep. Just the yep. most random. I'm like, what? Why? And so specific. Like a very, very, very specific eraser. Like a, a like they even like like a, the brand, the color. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I was like, but yeah. I'm not going to, I mean, I can afford supplies. And so I don't want to put the burden of the, you know, on the school and on the school system to, to, to give them to Marlo. But good God, I'm going to spend my entire weekend trying to find all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're super abstract, really specific. Yeah. Like I have to have a red folder, red two pocket folder. It's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing, and it, I think it will actually work out because some stuff like they, they do poly folders and like three ring binders for Lexton's school. And those things hold up pretty well. So like the, the plastic, like we got really good three ring binders last year. They're in great shape, so we can use them again. But as I'm buying supplies and he's there with me, I said, you know, what color do you want for science? And without even thinking about it, he goes, science is green. Like, what the hell do you mean science is green? You haven't even started science. Then I realized, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, last year the folder and the binder for science were green. So let's just use the same shit for the same classes because if I try to change it, he's not going to remember. He's going to pull out the wrong one. It's going to become a disaster. But then it's hard when it's like science is green. Well, you need a black notebook. Son of a bitch. Like, why does it matter? Like, seriously, why does it matter? Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, why do I have to have a specific kind of eraser? Why does that matter? Why yes. does that matter? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But yeah, those those note cards. Exactly. Like, the, like, wait a minute. Spiral bound note cards. Really? I know. 
and I know what they are and I can see why they want them, but I'm like standing by these massive bins of regular note cards. Like, Jesus, can't you just use these? Mm-hmm. The other class uses them. Like, I don't, I don't know. And it's even worse when you get the whole supply list. This has happened before. And it'll say like social studies. And then there's all these items. But then besides some of the items is a parenthetical reference to which teacher does or does not require that item. <laughs> So then you have to like cross-reference, like, well, who the hell is teaching English this year? And do they want this? And then I can't really, like, they're all supposed to be doing the same things in theory. Uh-huh. So I don't really know why they have different stuff. You know, it just, I don't know. So clearly I have not compartmentalized it that well. But in the moment, <laughs> in the moment, I compartmentalized. We, um, I, I, I wanted Marlo to get a specific teacher this year. It's the teacher that Lita had when Lita was in third grade. Okay. And when I, t- I had to take her out of the school that she was in halfway through the year and put her in this elementary school. And I was really worried because she's changing schools. She doesn't know anybody. You know, we're in the middle of the divorce. It's the middle of the school year. You know, I was like, is this, is this going to be a traumatic thing that she has to deal with for the rest of her life? And the teacher was just the most phenomenal, loving, gentle, awesome. It was just the most amazing experience for Lita. Like Lita loved changing schools. And this teacher was part of the part of the reason. And I wanted Marla to get her, but I didn't do I didn't I don't think I made enough noise when they were just because the end of the school year was so crazy busy. I was in Montenegro actually as school was ending and so I didn't request the teacher and she didn't get the teacher. Uh, And I'm trying to figure out if I make some noise about it. But I was at this concert on Sunday. Everybody, this Salt Lake, we call it Small Lake City is what we call it because everybody knows everybody goes to all the same places. Like I saw like 17 people that I know at this concert. And one of them is um, one of my old neighbors. And she's like, Heather, Heather, Heather. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And she's like, Miles, her kid Miles and and Marlo have the same teacher. And I was like, oh, they do? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, she goes, I'm so happy about it because she really concentrates on academics. And I was like, what? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. So, no. She goes, is that a bad thing? And I was like, we need to focus on uh, hugs and cartwheels. That's what we need to focus on. <laughs> yeah. It's always such a toss-up. I know when when Lexton was like K through five, we definitely spoke up in terms of like teacher placement. But I stopped that in middle school. Yeah. Because there was there's so many different teachers and it seemed a lot harder to do. And it, it was possible, but it didn't seem as necessary. But for reasons exactly like that, he actually had one teacher and we switched it for that exact same reason. This yeah. teacher was super academic. I'm like, okay, that's, that is not what he needs. That will destroy him. Yeah. He needed someone who focused more on, you know, organization and structure and just keeping your shit in line at school, like mm-hmm. less than a grades. And it's fine. Like those academic teachers are great for some kids. They're just not great for all kids. Yeah. And I don't, and I'm not sure. I think that what I would what I need to do is to go talk to the principal about this because if, if she's academic in the sense, because the way she was explaining it to me was that she's academic in, in that she teaches. She te- she actually teaches kids how to learn. 
and focuses on explaining things and going into detail about things. And Marlo probably needs that, like the handholding of like, this is how we're going to do this math problem, or this is how we're going to read this, you know, passage. But she, but Marlo also needs, she needs comfort. Um, and this other teacher that I wanted her to have is just this lovely, lovely, gentle uh, soul. I can't even, she's just, she just exudes warmth. That's what I was hoping for Marlo. So I just need to go talk to the the principal and get an idea about what's going on. Because I, I, I am worried she's coming back from seven weeks, you know, in a different place and she's coming back home and, it, you know, the transition is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she's, if she's academic in the right angle, then it'll work. Yeah. But it really depends. And she's, so, I mean, but you're like a week out. If you need to switch, it seems like that has to happen like right now. now. Yeah. So I got, I got to go after we record, I got to go call the principal. So the, the teacher that you wanted her to have, the one that Lita had. Yeah. Does she have any friends in that class? Do you know? She does. Yes. And that, and, and the kid's mom texted me a while ago from, I think she's in Denmark right now. <laughs> she texted me and she's like, I got a class. I got the class and Marlo and Daniela are not in the same class. And I'm like, oh, so, I mean, and they're really, really good friends. And so. And they bring that up with the principal that she needs to be with kids that she feels safe with. And if oh, yeah. I need, if I need her there, I mean, her therapist is amazing. I mean, he could make a call too. Yeah. And I think when you present the full, not, not just like, I want her to be with friends or this teacher is nice. Like when you really present the full case, like the transition from, from New York coming back, all of those things kind of wrapped up into one. I feel like it makes sense because there are some kids too that, they can have any teacher and it's fine. Like they, they're just flexible to that. Yeah. But there's a lot of kids that aren't. And I think when you really lay it out, I don't, I don't remember if we ever covered this, but when Lexton was in sixth grade, I don't remember what we had to have. Oh, they were wanting to change. That's what it was. They were wanting to drastically change his schedule, like change his lunch period, change three of these classes and move things around, like everything. And he was really not thrilled about it. And I sat down and talked to them and just, you know, I was like, I don't I really like the idea. I don't see it necessary. And they were kind of pushing it. And finally, I remember it was like all four of his teachers and the school counselor and everybody. And I, I just leaned forward and I said, let me tell you what has happened over the last six to eight months in his life. And I just <laughs> oh like God. went through the whole lit, like everything. And then I finished it up by saying, and then his goldfish died. And like all of the, it was, it was five women. They were all kind of jaw dropped. And the counselor who I'm not crazy about anyway, like she looked at me and she's like, well, that's a lot of change. I said, yeah, that's my point. So we're not going to do this. Like this, this doesn't make any sense. And it ended up staying the same, but I think you have to be able to, to really back it up with those concerns that are super valid and related to, to what you're doing. Yeah. And any principle worth their their salary will do that like it just makes sense otherwise they're going to end up you know potentially you're going to end up calling that principal regularly and meeting with a teacher and then it's just ridiculous yeah and they they know i mean they're very familiar with me and they know they've been really really good to me the the principal and the uh the, the, the main secretary they've been very very lovely to me because they know the whole situation and you know, I've had to pick up Marlo from school how many times? <laughs> right. And my my mother, <laughs> my 
my mother called and talked to the principal for a very, very long time uh, while I was in Paris. And that's why the principal called me in Paris to say, like, I'm, I think you're going to be pleased with the teacher is what she said. She didn't tell me what teacher it was. So, I mean, I, th- I think the principal thinks that it's a good match. I would just like to hear why. Because I, I, gotcha. I don't know anything about this teacher. And if she, if she can convince me, you know, if she can tell me why, then maybe it'll be okay. She has friends in the class that she's in. But, you know, I, I really, I mean, I'm bracing again for the piano situation. And I want, so I want her daily experience to not be as stressful as it was last year. Right. Like her teacher last year was a lovely, lovely man. Very funny. I think his approach, though, was difficult for Marlo. She routinely every day, would daily would daily break down into tears over over the math situation during homework or at school. At school. Oh wow. Yeah. Interesting. So he just wasn't able to connect with her in the way yeah. that she needed. Right. And he was lovely. Oh. He just had a his his approach didn't mesh with Marlo. And I'm this happens all the time with kids. Kids learn differently. You know, I I totally get that. It's just a matter of finding a way to get Marlo to to learn and understanding how she learns so that she's not so stressed all the time. So that I mean, cause she can compartmentalize like a motherfucker, man. Man, that kid, she's good. She needs but, to teach all of us. <laughs> she does. I mean, seriously. But I mean, yeah, that's how we started on this was compartmentalizing. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something I need to figure out personally, or I think it's going to... I think just my own ridiculous desire to to worry and wonder and overthink will just sabotage everything. You've got a lot of good things going, you know? Oh, I know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, logically, I know that. <laughs> logically, I'm right there with you. It's the, it's the emotional. I just, it's the, you know, when you have something good going, you also stand to lose something good. Like, that's, that's emotionally where I go. Which is ridiculous, but, you know, I need to figure out a better way to compartmentalize that and figure it out. I would always explain it, like, in the, in the depths of my depression, even especially during my postpartum depression, like, intellectually, I understand that my life is good, that I am, you know, doing well as a mother, my baby is thriving. Um, intellectually, I understand these things. Emotionally, I don't. Right. Emotionally, I can't grasp it. Yeah, and it's... And it's hard because it's really easy to say, well, it takes, it takes practice or this or that. But I think practice for the emotions is way more difficult than practice for your intelligence for a lot of different reasons, but it's crazy. It's crazy. But definitely needs to get figured out, I think, for both of us. <laughs> Although is, you seem like you're a step ahead. Well, I... <laughs> Here's the thing. This is kind of on topic, but you just said crazy. My friend Stacia, I went to the concert with her on Sunday, and she actually came and spent some time with me in Paris. And I was talking with her. Like, we we call ourselves crazy, right? Like, right. we call ourselves crazy, but we're not crazy. We know we, we actually know crazy people, you know? Oh, yeah. You know crazy people. <laughs> yes. And when you think you're like, I'm not crazy. Yes, I have my neuroses and whatever, but like, I don't do crazy shit that I know some people do, you know? Yeah. 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 It just feels though when you're, when you're just yourself and you reflect on it and because there's that intelligent piece that knows, 
you look at it and you're like, this is, this is absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. Like I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be doing these things, but that emotional component kind of takes over. And that's what makes you feel like you are crazy because yeah. you do know better. You know, you just, it's, it's a bigger hurdle than, than that. we got to work on your optimism. Oh my God. Don't we know? <laughs> oh, don't we? Seriously. Yeah. I'm, you know what, this is going to, I'm optimistic about this school year. I'm optimistic about getting on top of things and, and making time and making room and breathing through the day. I'm optimistic about it. I feel better. I'm heading into the school year way, 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 way better than I did last, at least mentally. Yeah. Which is huge. I mean, that puts you in a, just a better spot in general. If you can go in two steps ahead, you know, even if you get knocked back four that's better than starting four steps behind like yeah. i don't you've you've gained ground and that's huge it's like when you when you hit the potholes it's not going to be as jostling as it was right. yeah right you're more prepared for them yeah we could be recording an episode in a month like oh my god what the hell this school year is absolutely insane and the odds of that happening are pretty likely <laughs> but i feel like we were at this point last year like this is gonna be great it's gonna be super easy things are fine and that was super optimistic and good in some ways, but also, I mean, you have to be, there is a balance between optimism, pessimism, and just being realistic. Like mm-hmm. there, there is, I mean, I know that I'm definitely pessimistic, but I think it's not necessarily better to be on the other extreme. I think you have to, you have to land somewhere in the middle. Maybe that's my pessimistic outlook on it, but I feel like you have to keep that. You have to keep reality. I know really, really, really optimistic people, and I don't know how the fuck they do it. I don't get it. I don't know. Like they are like the the most positive, optimistic, like bright and shining, glorious sunbeams. It's like how the hell? How do you do that? Yeah. How do you keep that up? And their lives aren't perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I know. We need to learn from them, from them and from Marlo. Anyone, honestly, anybody who is optimistic that wants to share how the hell they keep that up, I want to hear it. Do you compartmentalize? How do you compartmentalize? Do you see it as a bad character trait or a good one? And uh, if you would like to share your stories with us, you can reach us at stories at manicramblings.com. And you can find us online at Manic Ramblings on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And until next time, compartmentalize that shit and teach us how. Be a be a high school football player. <laughs> Fucking six girls. That's right. <laughs>
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.